Welcome to my first podcast on my YouTube channel, A Harbor for the Arts. I hope you really like this podcast. It's a cozy little podcast with lots of information and fun topics about things that we go through as performing artists or creative artists, especially if you are just interested in knowing more about opera singers, this is a space for you. I'm a classical singer. I'm an arts advocate. I am a producer. I've performed all over the world, including Broadway and Broadway national tours, as well as different opera companies and in recital. So a ton of things, but we'll get into that later. And you can always check me out on my website and find out what I'm up to right now. And that's briecooper.net. We also have IG, which is Harbor for the Arts, Blog Talk Radio, as well as a Facebook and Instagram page for not only Harbor for the Arts, but Brie Cooper, mezzo-soprano. I know in our last podcast, I talked about how consistent I wanted to be. And it's been like over four months since our last conversation. I had some sad news and this is not what this podcast is about today. I'll get into that later, but my mom was very sick and she passed in June. I just was really feeling unmotivated and all of that stuff. I'm back, you guys. I'm just back and we'll get into that part later. I hope everybody's doing a great job today. I hope you're doing fabulous. If you're having audition, go rock the audition. If you are an artist and you are working a nine to five job, work that nine to five job, y'all. And if you are just out here making your living as a performing artist, do you, boo? Good job. Okay. Like I said, this is the podcast for you. Harbor for the Arts, you guys, This mission is literally, it's a space for opera singers and other performing artists and creative artists to come together. And it's where all of that opera, performing arts, creative arts meets lifestyle. So we talk about a lot of different things about life, things that happen in life, and you happen to be a performing artist. Okay. So today's episode is a lot of fun. Oh, First, I want to thank our sponsor, Kiana Clothing. I want to thank them so much because they are so amazing. We have been partners probably for almost 10 years now since my very first interview I had with International Magazine. They did my clothes and I just was like, who is who am I wearing? The stylist had picked out this outfit, a couple of them, and everything that I wore for that photo shoot an interview. I was like, who's who's on the label? It was Kiana Clothing. And I was just like, oh. So I started checking out their things and I just really liked it. So I was so happy that we had an opportunity to partner together and anything I can do to help women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, artist-owned businesses, which it by the way, if you're a performing artist or social social person in the arts, go check out one of my other interviews that we talked about side hustles. And we talked to a really great opera singer who also has a business as a social media expert. So you can just go check her out. Go check that podcast out, harborforthearts.com, and you will see it. So we're back, you guys. And I hope this is the first episode for our YouTube channel. And I hope you like it. If you don't, you can always listen to something else. Now, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts that are out there, especially ones by celebrities. And I think they're really great. A lot of the main resources I just don't have right now. And that's okay. Because the best resource, the best tool that you can have is what you have and you use it. So that's what I'm doing right now. I also have a TV show. So I hope you guys go check out the TV show. You can actually go to my website, briecooper.net and go to our on-demand channel and go check that out. 
you can rent or you can purchase the episodes. So again, today, this is a fun episode, you guys. Go grab a cup of tea, go grab a cup of coffee because we're going to talk for a few minutes and I hope you can relate. I think you can relate. We're going to talk about the 10 times the performing arts has almost driven me to drink or either given me a nervous breakdown, almost a nervous breakdown. Can't let that happen. Almost. But definitely, you guys, I'm going to keep it really real here because so many of us walk around, oh, everything's perfect. If you're in the arts, there's certain expectations, especially if you're an opera singer or in the classical arts, it gets really like you have to act like you always have your stuff together. And there have been times where I've crashed and burned. Yeah. So I'm going to share that with you in hopes of maybe motivating you, maybe my pain or my experience <laughs> can shortcut the process for you so you don't do some of the things that I did. And then some of the things on my list, I realized like all of us deal with it. Nobody talks about it. We all deal with it. Nobody really talks about it. So I'm just going to pull back that veil so you guys can really see what the heck performing artists deal with. And the 10 times specifically for me, that has almost caused me to have a slight, I don't know, almost towards a nervous breakdown or wanted to drink a little too many times or maybe basically eat my feelings. So let's get started. Now, I'm going to start, I guess I should start with number 10, which was for me, it was really dicey when I found my passion for music much later. So when I was in high school, everybody always told me what a beautiful voice I had. And I did a lot of things in school, in high school. I would always audition. I went to private school, private all-girls school. So my friend and I, we would audition for the private all-boys school <laughs> production. And all the girls in the area, different private schools, we used to do that all the time. And all of us knew each other. And the interesting thing is like, I was always probably, both of us were always probably the only two African-Americans that would go and do these plays. So much fun. I had a great time. I grew up with no brothers. So for me, being around so many boys was fun for me. And it wasn't like, it was just more, they were really brotherly. They're really sweet and nice and kind. And I met so many different girls from different schools, which I thought were great. And anyway, so finding my passion later. So I always did that in high school. My parents always encouraged me, but it wasn't until I was probably 11th grade, maybe 12th grade, that I realized, wow, my dad sat down with me and he was just like, you should think about majoring in music. I was not a straight A student. I was never the best student. When I applied myself, I was really good, but I was never the best student, like an A plus student all the time. And that always made me feel bad. But my parents were, and not because I didn't apply myself, but I know I worked really hard. I still couldn't get it. Book smart rather, but I'm very intelligent. So my parents decided instead of focusing on the negative, they focused on the positive. So for me, it was my musical abilities. My mom was an opera singer. My dad always loved the arts. He was an attorney. He always loved the arts. So I remember him, like, I think it was probably junior high that my voice teacher, my music teacher, general music teacher was saying, oh, she has a beautiful voice. You should come here and sing. I'm going to give her a solo. So they did that. And it was, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. And they just never pushed me. Now, I will say this. My parents always made sure that we took an instrument. We could not give, we could not have an instrument. <laughs> they didn't care if we changed that instrument 10 times. We were going to take an instrument. 
So that's what we did for my, most of my childhood. But it wasn't like, oh, I wanted to be the best this or that. It was literally, they let me find my way. And it turned out for me, it was opera, a voice. And that's what it was And my music. My mom was an opera singer as well, like I said, but I didn't appreciate that stuff then. Cared less at junior high. Anyway, fast forward, gets to high school. Actually, it was time for me to figure out where what high school I wanted to go to. My voice, my music teacher in junior high said, you should think about auditioning for the performing arts high school. I remember going, I got in, but I remember going and I thought these kids were so all over the place. They were, they were great, but they definitely treated it like it was an episode of fame. People were singing, people were dancing, people were into this. I got in my parents and I also got into the private school that I wanted to go to. And my parents let me make that decision. So I decided I wanted to go to the private school. So that's where I went. And I still made music work for me. I probably would have been further along, but I made it work for me. And uh, fast forward into like my senior year, junior year, it was time to be for it was time for me to start thinking about college. And my dad was just like, okay, maybe you should think about music. If you're going to go to school, you've got to get your education. So why don't you focus on something that you really like? What do you like? You're so good at music. So I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I just didn't even know. I, I, I didn't think I would ever be cut out to be a lawyer. And my dad never thought that. <laughs> I could do whatever I wanted to do. Of course, he definitely instilled that. He had five girls. He was just like, you guys could do anything you want to do. Put your mind to it. But you have to put your mind to it and you have to give a little effort. Okay. So it's not just, oh, I love it. You have to like work. And for me, I don't think that would have been the best career choice. As I get older, like now, I'm like, oh, I could easily do that. Go to law school. But then I think, eh, maybe not. Too much stuff. <laughs> but that's like anything. So anyway, so that's how I ended up. And I, it was definitely tough trying to find that, that trying to realize that I found my passion and what I wanted to do, but it wasn't until high school. It was really late for me if I wanted to be a performing artist. And by the time I got to college, these kids, and I got into, it was hard, one, it was hard finding a college that would accept me because I'd started seriously studying music, seriously studying music so late, like taking it seriously. Um, not that I thought it was fun and games, but I think it takes a different mindset to realize, oh, wow, I'm going to make this a career or I want this to be a career, not just I'm going to my lesson every once a week, play some piano and then that's it. Do a recital and that's it. So that was tough. That was, I remember that trying to find a college. I would audition for so many colleges. And I just looking back, I wasn't there where some of these other kids were, where they definitely had this experience from the time they were three or four and they always knew they wanted to do it all of that stuff i took it seriously but i think it's the mindset of realizing it takes a little more than just i'm going to show up for my lesson and enjoy my lesson and then not look at the music again until next week but when you realize you want it to be a career you start doing things a different way you go to your lesson, but then you realize I have to be prepared for the next lesson. I have to learn my music, make sure that aria is memorized for the next lesson. So that was a tough adjustment for me. And I remember being like, oh my God, what college am I going to get into? And I, again, my grades were not that great. Okay. But my parents found a great school for me and my it was one of my dad's clients. Her daughter was a music major at East Carolina University. 
And that's how we found out about ECU. She said she loved it. And I remember her, like she was like one of the best music students there. And I was just like, oh, I want to be just like Daphne Dunstan. And I pretty much was. I pretty much rocked it. I loved college. I had such a good time. It was tough, but I really loved it. I loved ECU. I loved their school of music. I loved the students that I met. We are all still really good friends till today. And even if we haven't spoken with each other in years, like literally you bring up somebody's name, we follow each other on Facebook. It's been amazing. So I will say that was number 10 for me. The next one would be practicing and memorizing music. That was tough. Like I told you guys, getting into college, that part was like almost drove me to drink. But then the part where you realize you're in a college and those standards are, they're really high. I had to get with the program of, girl, this is not playtime. You have got to go home or go back to your dorm and memorize and practice. And the part of practicing, I was one of those students when I was just taking it for fun, just, okay, go to your lesson. I might practice throughout the week. My parents never pressured me to practice, but when I got to college, it was a different ball game. I had to really understand. I had to be in that practice room at least an hour a day, if not every other day, and practice. And when I say every day, maybe it wasn't practicing every day at the piano in a practice room, but it was literally giving yourself the time that you need to understand the information. And that was really hard for me. That was so hard for me to sit down and memorize music that I had never heard of before. My mom would play it in the house, but I was too selfish. <laughs> I was too freaking selfish to even care about what the heck she was playing. I just knew it was opera, like, okay. But it was not until college that I realized, oh my God, French, German, Italian, practice. It was tough. It was tough. I think I started eating my feelings because I couldn't keep up with my other friends there. My other friends were, like I said, they knew they wanted to do it. They loved it. They had those habits instilled in them since they were little. That, that was a tough one. The next one for me, I guess this is number eight. It would be jury time. Jury time in college. Anyone can tell you who was a music major. I don't know if they do it differently today, but back in the day when I was a music major, you get your arias, you work on your arias for the entire semester, whatever you're going to do, and you are doing a studio every week. So every week you have to have your music memorized and ready to perform in recital. So that's what we call studio. Oh yeah. So studio was always stressful for me because I had to make sure the music was memorized. And I will say, I... The music majors at ECU were a lot of fun and they really liked to live life while being, they knew how serious it was. So nobody played around at jury time and people were stressed out. But jury time for me was, oh my God, I didn't memorize, let's say three arias out of, let's say the 10 arias you have to present or you have to be ready to present. They can pick any aria that they want. They, they just drill you. What are you saying? Who are you talking to? What does this mean? And they could ask anything from any aria, any phrase, end of the song, middle of the song, beginning of the song, 
and you need to make sure you know what the translation is if that is not your first or second language naturally. It was always stressful. I think I cried many times. I was like, what am I gonna do? And you would fail. Like you could fail, this could set you back an entire semester if you failed. That's how serious it was. That was really tough for me. So number seven, it would have to be grad school. Grad school versus real world experience. So by the time I finished college, everybody, my senior year, everybody was like, oh, I'm going to audition for this grad school. I'm going to go to grad school. Every opera singer goes to grad school. Every musician usually goes to grad school. I could never understand why the heck am I going? <laughs> why the heck am I going to grad school? Because if I already know how to sing and I need experience in a professional environment, I never understood why I was going to go to grad school for me for performing arts. I understand it now, but I didn't understand it then. So I thought, okay, I guess this is what people have to do. Now I did a lot of different workshops during my college years during the summer and I met a lot of different coaches which was great so they really became valuable in developing where I was so I knew it was after college and then I still wasn't sure and I was just like I guess everybody just goes to grad school I just did not the thought of repeating what I had to do to get into a college just almost made me throw up. I was just like, oh no, I cannot, I can't deal. So what I did was I ended up, I think I took a year off. I think I took a year off. I auditioned, meaning I graduated college, but then I moved back home and just worked. I ended up, wait, I graduated college. I moved back home for a semester. I auditioned for the fall of the following year to get into grad school the fall of the following year. I just knew I wanted to perform. I decided to do a certificate program instead of a master's, which I thought was really great, only I was already burnt out and I didn't realize it of the academic part of it. And I thought it was really strange when I got there. I think after, at the end of the first semester, and they were having audition. Now these kids were serious because it was a conservatory. That was the other thing. Going from a pretty much liberal arts school where you had your music school or school of music, and then you had different different majors. Some people were pre-med, some people were sports, some people were whatever it was, architecture, some people were a meteorologist or all of that stuff, science, everything. Where you had that, and then you go to a conservatory. I was like, it was so weird. It was so weird. And I'm weird. Kudos to you if you go to a conservatory. But for me, coming from where I came from, I just thought people took it way too seriously. Like people were ready to jump out of a window if they didn't get a part or something like that. And I never really was into that. Like I, I always like to feel some sort of balance and even though I always wanted to be a performing artist, I knew I had to work and it was the effort and the work that I was putting into it that made me feel like stressed. But it was never like, if I didn't get this part, I'm gonna throw myself out a window. It was never that. If I didn't get this part, I'm gonna kill myself. It was never that, 
okay? And if it did get to that, I would definitely seek help immediately. Like I had no problem with that. There was a therapist at, at ECU that saw me probably three times a week. And she just used to let me come in there. And when she had free time, I'd sit there and talk to her. And she just talked to me about whatever was going on. And it was very helpful. Like, it was helpful. So if you guys are in school and you're listening to this, or if you're a regular person listening to this, go get help if you need it. Go get it. I thought that was the strangest thing. I could not get with that program. I could not get what, oh, your whole world is music, which is great. But then when you finish your world being music, you have to get out to the real world and everything is not music in my case. So I wasn't that happy, that thrilled with it. My parents were happy, but it wasn't like floating my boat. It wasn't anything that was making me go, oh my God, I gotta stay. It, it just wasn't doing it for me. So I did finish it. My parents are big on finishing. So I did finish that. And then I, I said, you know what, I'm going to audition for what I want to do, which is perform. So I started auditioning for things like Aspen School of Music or Glimmer Glass and all of those. And so I got into all, anything I auditioned for, I got into. And I really had a great time until I realized my parents had to pay for it. <laughs> you guys, these programs aren't free. My parents had to pay for every single program I did. And I will never forget my mom calling me saying, you've had college, you've had your performing certificate program you wanted to do. You have done so many festivals and opera theater programs. It's time for you to start auditioning, get a job and start auditioning, like really auditioning for stuff. And I was like, okay. So that was tough. I think that was number what? Number seven. Yeah, that was number seven, just grad school versus real. Number six was tour life for me. Tour life dynamics were different. So I did exactly what my mom said, got a job, started auditioning, got my first professional job, tour. And I started touring. And the interesting thing was I toured. This is when I realized not everybody was raised like me. <laughs> Who is uh, African-American? Okay, let's. I'm just going to say it. Okay, just because you're African-American does not mean you come from the same experience, all right? My parents worked really hard to give me the life I had when I was growing up. And they did not make a big squawk about it. They just, it's just what I knew and how I grew up. I then realized on tour that I was with other people, African-American singers. And I think most of them did not come from the background that I came from, like how I grew up. I didn't realize it was such a, a small percentage. I don't know why I just didn't. That's just how my parents chose me, chose to raise me. I did not realize there was such a small percentage of African-Americans who did not have the financial opportunities I had growing up. I just didn't, I didn't know that. I knew that they all came from a place where education was important and valuable, but our approach, our thought process, my thought process was very different from theirs. And this is when I toured Porgy and Bess. That was my very first professional job. And if you're an African-American singer and you snub your nose up at Porgy and Bess, at Porgy and Bess, shame on you. You need to get out there, do a Porgy and Bess, get that experience. It gave me such great experience, amazing experience. And it shortcut a lot of it for me, like what it meant to be a professional outside of what I was trained to do. 
And I was able to quickly, every single night, you had to do something different. Every something changed, you had to adjust. You were in different houses. You learned to sing in front of thousands of people. You learned to use mic. You learned to do your own makeup if you had to. All of those things. But touring was different. Just getting along with other people, in my case, who had not had the same type of upbringing that I had was different. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying for me. Okay, that was tough. And being the new kid on the block where a lot of these singers had already known each other, that was hard because people always thought I was after their man. <laughs> people always thought I was after their man. I could have cared less. I was out there having fun, making my own little money at 25, doing tours, performing, doing what I had been trained to meeting people, met so many people. I must have been engaged like 20 times on that tour by different people. <laughs> But literally, I did not do a thing. I literally was just being me and I was just having fun. And I think people could not deal with it. And I got along so great with the producer of the show. He was so amazing. He loved me so much. But the sad part is that I think I let, like other people just started getting in that or getting jealous or trying to destroy that, trying to make race such an issue. And guys, sometimes, guess what? You don't have to make everything about race. Not every single thing. And that's when I think, wow, people be conditioned because when you don't think about it, now this is my perspective. When you don't really think about it and don't make it an issue, it's amazing the opportunities that came my way. Like he would throw dinners for me or my mom would call and ask if she could have a dinner on my birthday. And she would even invite like, all of the other singers and the cast and people just couldn't get with why I got along with the producer so well. He was a nice guy, never wanted anything else from me just to be a good performer. And he was just really a nice guy. So I will have to say that that was tough. Getting to getting in those dynamics was tough from other singers on tour and learning to work with other singers from different backgrounds. And especially, and I have to say this, and I would definitely say just because it was it was an all black cast that I didn't realize how sheltered my life had been, how many opportunities I had growing up as a as a black person in America in Washington D.C. That's what I knew. Everyone in my family was professionals. If you don't, you need to. <laughs> we were not playing like uh. -uh. So we went to some of the best schools in Washington D.C. and race. We just didn't make race an issue. We just, we just didn't. We just did what we had to do. It wasn't like, oh, I'm the only black here. No, no, get over it. Sorry for the, you might hear it in the background. The next thing I will have to say is being lonely on tour. So after that Porgy and Best tour, I got another tour, which I love so much. People were great. Cast was great. It was more on the vibe, probably because it was more diverse. It was a more diverse cast, which... I really had a great time. I loved it. We had such a good time. But I will say, I, I was really lonely. And I, we were busy because people were always taking us places or treating us places. And organizations in the town were just really nice. But at the same time, it was really, it was tough. It was tough because I got so lonely. And I, no one told me how to deal with that. That was the first time in my life I felt, I felt lonely. Like it was... It made me do a lot of stupid things. It almost made me, I think it made me almost have a nervous breakdown because I was lonely. I don't know if it was called 
I don't know if it was called homesick. I don't know. I had been away from home several times before. I grew up going to spend the night camps every summer. I don't know. It was very odd. It was very odd. Next for me was just having a personal life versus a career. As you move on in your career, you realize, oh, wow. And especially if you're a woman, it's like, oh, wow, I got to make some time to either get married, have a baby, deal with marriage, that kind of thing. And that was tough. That was really making it, having it be the wrong decision for me, because I will never forget the time when I called my dad, like, I don't know. I just feel like I just need to settle down. Like I just needed to settle down. It wasn't any, I had gone through a lot of relationships. I will say this. And when you're on the road or on tour, you not every, it might not be the place to build a relationship only because what goes on tour is different. And if the person is not from a life of either being on tour, being in the performing arts, where they see it as a nine to five job, except for ours is in the evening and we perform for people. It is literally a job. What people have other careers in law or going to a workplace or something, ours just happens to be on the stage. And if you bring a person into your life as like a romantic thing, people do not, a lot of people don't understand it. And they get really enamored by the glitz and the glamour of it all. And that's the hard part. So all of my relationships basically never worked out. It was a lot of fun, but they never worked out. I think for that reason. And I realized like I, by this time I was going towards my, God, going towards 30. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to get married at this rate. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to end up having kids. And for me, that was important. My mom did it. I wanted to do it. And I had this voice teacher, I always had really great voice teachers. And I had this voice teacher, Margaret Hawshaw. If you don't know her, look her up. She was the first person that said, you might not be able to have it all at one time. I thought I could have it all. You can't have it all. And when I realized that, she's like, you just have to make time for each thing. And there's a priority list. So people make it sound like, oh, I have something on the back burner or something like that, I have a backup plan. When really it's about priorities in your personal life, like your own life, what you decide to put as really important. By the time you start having family or marriage and all of that, everything is a priority. So maybe you will not be able to be on the road January through December, but what you would have to do is be like, okay, I can be on the road for three weeks, two weeks, a week. Maybe I can go out for a gig because you now have a family to take care of. So that was, that kind of gave me issues. Like, no, I just started eating more. I just, it was a tough decision. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't know what I was going to do. The show I was in was more of a Broadway show. So I wanted to do opera specifically. And I felt like I wasn't really going to get anywhere in that specific show. And I remember auditioning and auditioning. And then I just became like not happy with a lot of stuff. And when you start now, we'll say this, what I did learn as a singer of color, if you're not, okay. What I did learn is that sometimes when you bring things up, it could be seen as militant or that kind of thing. So I remember bringing stuff up. Like I wasn't happy with, can we fix this? Can we change this? But it wasn't taken too well a lot of times. And that's just something for another episode. So I did get an opera job 
And I went to a opera company, which really embraced me, loved it, had a great time. I really enjoy it. But making that transition was really tough. Getting married and having kids. Oh my God. I totally thought I was just going to be like being able to rock everything on the same, at the same level. But the person that I married, he was not like that. He was like, you need to, he believed in the roles. So even though he believed in me as an artist, as a performing artist, I also knew it was important to try to keep my marriage going. You can't be away like that all the time. You can't, you can't be away like that unless they come with you on the road. You cannot be away from your marriage like that. I don't care what anybody says. You have to make it work, meaning you have to be two people. Let's say if you're doing a job and it takes you away from your family for three weeks, both of you have to be in the mindset, both of you, because it takes two. One person is too weak or one person can't do it. It will not work. Both of you have to be in the mindset that, okay, I am doing this job to better our family, to bring income into our family, to keep doing what God has given me. The sole purpose for me doing this job is to be responsible for the gifts God has given me and then also to make money from what God has given me, which is the gift of music. But if two people cannot get on that page, it takes one person to destroy it. So let's say I was on that page of, okay, if I get this job, I need to go be able to do the job. You need to take care of our daughter, that kind of thing, excuse the train. But you need to be able to do that. And it was not any, don't worry, I'm not going to cheat. And that's the other thing. If you're on the road, you need to you need to not do a lot of different things if it puts your marriage in jeopardy. Anyway, so I wasn't into any of that and I didn't want to, but definitely my husband had an issue. My husband at the time had an issue with it. And I realized like, even if he didn't say it, his actions showed it. And I'm very, I'm an intuitive person. So I go by feeling a lot, but I could see what was going on just through his actions that if I wanted my marriage to be intact, I needed to be home and touring was not an option anymore. And that was tough. That was something I silently went through and it was, and then having kids, of course. So after my marriage imploded, <laughs> I became a single parent and I was like, oh, we're going back out on the road. Oh, we're going to start auditioning. I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to do what I need to do. But then you realize it's not about you anymore. It's about your little kid or about your family or about whatever it is. And I had to make the conscious, like I started taking her with me on auditions to see how she would do. And now all of my auditions primarily in New York. So I would take her with me. We would go on the subway. We do all the same things that I did when I lived in New York. And then after you watch your kid over several times, you realize, wow, this is not who they are. Like they're not used to my lifestyle of what city's next? Let's go. So you have to slow things down again. So that was another time that was really tough and caused me to almost have a mental breakdown. You put your thing, you do what you need to do. That's fine. That's fine. So now we're almost, God, we're almost close to the end. Let me see. The next one, hold on. I can't read y'all without my glasses. Oh yeah. So I think this is number two. So I 
think as a performing artist, you realize, oh, wow, I'm not the bee's knees. Hold on. You realize like other people have talent. Other people are after your job. Other people are auditioning like you're auditioning. And yes, I knew this all along, but I really came from the mindset like, I'm so special. I am fabulous. I'm nobody can do it like me. And you realize, oh, wow, other people really have something special. And that's tough. You realize other people, you become jealous, you become whatever it is. But as I grow older, I realize, you know what? That's cool. Everybody has something special and unique and fabulous about them. And I started paying attention to if there was another singer in the room or I knew like I was feeling insecure about something. I would start looking at that singer and listening to that singer, like what makes them so special? What makes her think that she can go in and get that job? And instead of looking at it like, oh, she's so fabulous, I can't stand her. It became, wow, she really does have a command of that language. Wow, she really does sing that same aria that I sing in a completely different way. Wow, I really like, whatever it is about her. And so you learn to appreciate these things. But I remember that adjustment, it was not fun. <laughs> when you realize you are not the bee's knees, you are not the only person that has this amazing gift. And number one for me, and I think it should be something that everybody thinks about because we don't always talk about. Number one for me was finding new motivation all the time. I thought my motivation for being a performing artist and being an opera singer at the age of 17 and at the age of when I really discovered I had a voice at 12 would be the same all the way through my career. And it's not. It is not. My motivation has changed so many times over the years and nobody tells you that everybody tells you you want to be a performing artist you want to be on stage you want to be an opera singer the reason why you want to do it today is the same reason that you're going to want to do it 50 years later and it's not i've gone from oh wow i have a gift you mean i have a gift this insecure kind of insecure i didn't even know i was insecure but this person who was not great at music and not great at her academic classes, who probably had a learning disability that was not diagnosed, who ended up going to college way too young and not and being sheltered. And people would just say, what a beautiful voice you have and making it like, wow, that became, oh, I want to do this then. You're telling me how fabulous I am? Oh my God, when I'm not the best student, oh, I want to do that. And then my parents being so proud of me every time I did something amazing. Like every time I got into an opera company, every time I was out on tour, that was, that was just so special to me to be able to do that, to be able to make them so proud and just beaming and just meant so much to this day. It's a great memory for me, but I didn't realize like it changes as you get older, it changes. My parents are no longer here anymore. That changes. I used to do so much because it made me feel good that they would be so proud of me. And then not being here anymore, you have to rediscover why you want to do this. Why life in the arts or the performing arts means so much to you. And then even when they were alive, as I got out of college, excuse me for crying on this podcast, as they got out of college, as I got out of college, I realized... 
Why do I want to do it now? Now I need to pay my parents back. <laughs> and they didn't want me to pay them back. They didn't care less about me paying it back. They just wanted me to just, they spent all this money. They wanted me to do something with it. And then as I finished that, I wanted to get married. And then how do I find motivation for the arts then? Why do I still want to sing even though I'm married with a family? And that's what I wanted. But why do I still want to sing? Why do I still want to be on that stage? What is driving me to be on that stage? To being a single parent, to finding a way to make a living and being a single parent, provide for my kid and perform. All of those things, all of those things have, oh my God, have been life-changing for me, have either made me want to have a <laughs> mental breakdown, try to figure it out or eat more. But what I'm realizing is that even though that's how you feel, it's really a part of the process that we all should be going through to grow. And that's really important. I'm sorry, I got a little teary at the end because I think about my, my parents and it's so weird that both of them are not here anymore. But I hope this podcast helped all of you. I hope you go back and you think about things that that you're not as happy with in your career right now in the performing arts. But maybe it's just a matter of, you know what? Maybe I need to find a new motivation for why I do this career. Why do I want to do it? Do I even want to do it anymore? Do you need some time off? Are you burnt out? And I thought it would be helpful just for me to share my experience with growing in this career and the times when it almost caused me to have a nervous breakdown or did cause me to overeat or caused me to maybe have a few more drinks than I would normally. But I don't drink, you guys. Just, you know, I drank in college, but I don't drink. I, I don't drink at all anymore. And I don't drink on tour. But I did on tour. <laughs> Let me stop. I did just a little bit. But then you realize, like, you get out in the real world. You do not have, like, if you were trying to make things work you do not have time to uh, drink and do any of that stuff that takes you out of i like feeling on point so anyway i hope you enjoyed today's podcast it was a lot of fun telling you all of these stories and i hope some of this helps some of you out there please feel free to email me you can find a lot of different places where i am blog talk radio any digital distribution outlet for podcasts. You can go to my website, breedcooper.net. I am coming out with another website for Harbor for the Arts, but right now it's just all meshed into mine. Go to my Spotify page. Go support me, you guys. Go support me on Spotify. Go to my merch website. Do that. And just follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Follow Harbor for the Arts or follow Brie Cooper mezzo-soprano on my IG. And I'm also, y'all, I'm on TikTok. I'm having such a good time on TikTok. So I'm on TikTok. Go follow me, go like me, go send me a message, whatever you need to do. Send me anything if you want to talk about anything. And I hope this was a cozy little podcast of being in the performing arts and how opera, performing, and creative arts meets lifestyle has helped you today. And go out there and do you and enjoy your day. Enjoy being fabulous. Enjoy supporting others. Go tell another singer how fabulous they are. Go visit an, go, go visit an opera company. Go to an opera company. Go to a production and uh, all of that. So I hope you're doing great. And and stay amazing. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, since this is on my YouTube camp channel, I forgot. Leave a message below. Leave a comment below. All right. Bye.